I guess that's what they do before they start reading these things, right? You got to warm your tongue up and get everything ready to make sure your palate is prepared to execute when on when and on command, right? See, even now I'm getting confused. That's <laughs> what the gator does. Oh, man. What do you think? You about ready to ramble? Well, hello, listener, and welcome to the Rambling Gator Podcast. This is the podcast where I ramble about life lessons learned through my real-life stories. I'm Mike, your host. I'm also known as the Gator, and I thank you for joining me. Since you're up here on this porch, go ahead and pull up a chair and sit a while. I'm getting ready to ramble a little bit, man. Enjoy it. Well, hello there, listener, and welcome back to the old porch. I'm glad you come visit with old Gator. You know, I was just thinking, it's rare that we get second chances in life. The question becomes, though, when they do come along, what do we do with them? Saturday arrived with brilliant sunlight shining in our bedroom window. My baby boy, Willem, found his way into our bed thanks to a helping hand from his mama. He was making the most of it, snuggled in between us, waking us with coos and happy sighs. Race day had arrived. He knew it. I knew it. I'd hoped for a few more minutes of dreamful bliss. Several weeks before this wonderful day, I happened to eye a Walmart cell circular in our Sunday paper. Seems that Walmart was sponsoring what they called a day at the races. A Pinewood Derby for kids. When I saw that sign in the store, my eyes widened and I felt a broad smile across my lips. Another opportunity to share something special from my childhood with my wife and son had come my way. Now the circular clearly stated that kits could be found in the paint department, but there were no cars to be found and no one to tell you where to find them. After several minutes of talking with equally confused employees, I was directed to the store entrance. The elderly woman greeted her leveled a stern warning that she was only handing out cars to kids over two years old. She mumbled something about nails and a kit and the danger they imposed. When I explained my story, she gladly handed me one. Heck, whoever said the kids put the kids together anyhow. Once home opened the supplies and expected the car parts. As I held the piece of pine wood in my hands, I laughed out loud. My wife, Melissa, asked what I was thinking. It was then I realized I never told her the story. I was about eight or nine years old. Our local Cub Scout troop hosted a Pinewood Derby at the nearby church. Each cubby was given a huge block of pine wood, four wheels, and a mission. Design and field the Pinewood race car. We were to build our cars using only a pocket knife. I raced home with my parts fully eager to get started. My dad told me that this was my project, and I had the full final say-so in the car design in particular. Little did I understand what he truly meant. Days passed. Weeks slipped by. Soon as the week of the race, and now the same block of wood and four wheels stared me in the face. No work was done, no progress made, save for the turning of the wood block every so often in those passing weeks, somehow hoping divine inspiration would hit me over the head with a completed masterpiece. But now it was crunch time. I had no idea, no thought, and no design. Panic stricken, I took the knife and started carving. Saturday arrived quickly. I woke feeling queasy. My body ached. My right hand throbbed from the feverish carving I'd leveled on the wood block the night before. I rolled away from facing the wall and looked toward the night table. And there she sat, number 45, 
a metallic silver painted potato wedge of a pine wood car. It was an effort if you could call it that. The carving I did to the car with my scout pocket knife was horrendous. I had hacked, carved, and whittled, basically bludgeoning the pinewood block into this half-circle form. Dad loaned me leftover silver paint from a project he recently completed, the repainting of our small Christmas tree. He was preparing it for the upcoming Christmas season so that the small carousel of yellow, blue, green, and red light would dance off the old tinsel tree. Despite their appearance, I took ownership. It was my car, number 45. I affectionately named her the Silver Bullet. We arrived at the church at the prescribed hour. My dad dropped me off and headed for work. I guess he was too embarrassed to see me race. No matter. I felt I still had a great-looking car. That is, until the others showed up. Yes, and there they were. Red cars, blue cars, white cars, multicolored pinewood roasters that looked like they were fresh from the hobby shop. Glossy colors, eye-catching decals, shiny black wheels with Michelin, Goodyear, or Dunlop written in beautiful white letters on them. There were dads standing there with their sons, Chest poking out and eyes gleaming bright, just as proud as the kids were of their machines. Some kids poked each other, taunting who would win first prize. I opened a small shoebox that housed a silver bullet and saw her for what she really was, a metallic silver potato wedge. She's kind of heavy, ain't she, son? The old starter asked as he balanced the car in his hand, then placed her on the track. I gave a feeble knob, then I stood dumbfounded as the other gloss-covered speedsters shot across the finish line, leaving a silver bullet my metallic potato wedge, in their pinewood dust. I thought the old Mary Melody's cartoon where Porky Pig was riding a horse, Tea Biscuit. He tried to spur on old number 45, but the silver bullet trundled to a grinding halt some ten feet from the official finish line. I quickly grabbed my potato wedge, returned it to her cardboard garage, and scurried for the door. It was a long, lonely walk home. We didn't live too far away from the church, but we might as well have lived on the other side of the planet at that moment. I struggled to wipe away the tears as I walked, but they kept coming. I was so disappointed. I was angry. I was upset. I lost, but more importantly, I lost terribly. I wanted no dinner, despite Mama having made my favorite. I sat at the table, poking at my fried chicken and butter noodles, weakly sipping my iced tea. My stomach ached, and all I wanted to do was lie down. I placed a car in his garage under my bed. I never wanted to see the silver bullet ever again. Later that evening, my father arrived home from work and visited me. I knew what was coming next, or so I thought. So, heard you lost a race today, he asked. I nodded. Know why you lost? Because my car was the slowest car out there? It was an ugly car, I blubbered. Do you really know why you lost? I thought for a moment, processing the question in my young mind. Was it wheels? Maybe the car was too heavy, like the old man said. Was it the track? I looked at my dad finally, holding my hands open, struggling for the answer. Dad looked me in the eye. Son, you lost because you did not properly prepare to win. Huh? Was my blurted reply. He continued. You had ample time to build a great car, son. You had all the assistance you needed to build a great car. All you had to do was ask. Yet you waited. You waited until the last minute to build your car. You lost because you did not give the proper attention in preparing to win. Boy, that really sunk in. and sunk in deep. Dad was right. Deep down, I knew I didn't do what I needed to to even prepare to win the race. I played instead of working, put it off. I never asked for help because it was my project. My project now sat in the shoebox garage under my bed, my silver potato wedge of a failure hidden from view, but present all over my face. It was then and there I decided that had I had another opportunity, I would set things straight. You know, it's funny how Providence works here in the world of second chances. 
Now here, many years later, was a chance to redeem the tragic loss, to right a wrong of shame I had brought on myself. Presented to me was the opportunity to build another silver bullet, yet better, faster, and right this time. Yet time again, for other reasons, had slipped by, or gotten away of blissful pleasure. Golf took precedence over building. Now it was Thursday night, and I was working to carve the car. The old anxiety came rushing back to me as sanding, painting, waiting, and polishing happened late Friday night. Now Saturday had come, and once again I felt in the back of my mind I was doomed to repeat the same mistakes of years past. But this time, I'd be embarrassing both me and my son. The car was done, and it looked great, but I was still nauseous. I ate very little for breakfast. I feigned excitement to hide the fear of failure that once again welled within me. An hour passed before the official start of the race. The employees of Walmart could not locate and assemble the track. For a moment, I was actually glad I was not the only one behind the eight ball. Once found, though, they quickly set it up with a little help from a few of us dads. In all, there were six of us. Kids, that is. And just like in my youth, there were some fantastic cars and designs. Willem's car, affectionately named Boogie Bear One, was an emerald green indie car design. The wheels brandished Goodyear logos. The body flashed several decals from the kit. I looked to his car and to the design and work done to the others. My heart sank. One father held his car's son in such high regard that he brought it into the race in a foam line box. Another car even looked like a late model jalopy. Kids danced and sang, teasing one another over who was to win. Me, I was replaying that church failure all over again. Willem, however, slept peacefully in his stroller. I thought maybe if he missed the race, it would be for the best. But laughing off the loss of the preliminary prizes, I looked over the car one last time. I looked at the slots on the track, then back to the car, and realized the front wheels were set too narrow. So I initiated a quick pit stop, where I towed out the wheels and applied more superglue, but it still did not meet the legal limitations. We were disqualified. But the other kids, I mean, dads, agreed that we should run Boogie Bear 1, if anything, for the sake of racing the car. The normal car zipped down the track, and we were in the lead. Boogie Bear 1 reached the bottom of the track, careened to the right, and fell off headlong on the floor, coming to a stop underneath the seat. We all laughed. I retrieved the car, only to find that the front and rear wheels had given away at the hub as a result of the fall. We were certainly out of the race now. I placed the car neatly in the stroller, and Melissa, Willem, and I watched his dads, mean kids, battled out for first place. The dad who brought the car in the foam line boss garage won the whole shoot match, and in grand fashion. His grin was broader and more self-satisfied than that of his son, who played with the car on the store floor after the racing ended. While we did not win anything, Walmart gave all of us kids Hot Wheels cars for participating. They took digital still photos of all the families with their cars and gave them away for free. I looked at the fathers as we shook hands. Their smiles were relaxed, as if they too were remembering their first experiences in the Pinewood Derby. Me and the wives gave their big kids thoughtful pats on the back for a race well run. One wife pat her husband on the behind. Come on, Tiger, she said with a wink. Time for a victory celebration. We were the last to leave. It was appropriate. Today was not about finishing a race or about recounting procrastination. It was simply about creating and reliving a memory with my family. For many of us big kids that day, it was the opportunity to go back in time when life was simpler and much more carefree. It was also a chance to relive moments when we worked to build our first Pinewood Racers. For me, it was not so much a redemption as more about building another fond memory with Willem and Melissa. We both looked to Boogie Bear 1 with his broken wheels and laughed at the sight of it. It sat placed in arms of my sleeping son. I leaned in and kissed his forehead sweetly. And while old number 45, the affectionate old silver bullet, 
lays in a shoebox somewhere along memory lane. The car we affectionately cherish as Boogie Bear 1 sits in a place of prominence on my son's memory shelf. I kind of consider this story a redemption song in a lot of ways. And while we somewhat recreated the failure that I had with the silver bullet, the old silver half potato wedge that we called the number 45, the crazy car that it was, it was an opportunity again just to go back and, and relive some really cool memories. And for those of you who don't know, my son is a kid with cerebral palsy. Now at age 22, he's an adult with special needs and lives with us and spends his time doing some amazing things. His life's been an amazing journey. I'll talk about one of these days in future podcasts. That particular moment was one of the best memories ever because he's a fan like me of Formula One and loves the sound of race cars and everything to do with them. And while maybe the challenge prohibited a little bit of his opportunity to fully experience what was going on, I know he did have a good time. And as we built the car, I shared with him every step of the way what we were doing. It's kind of an homage to him. Uh, and an homage again to my dad for teaching me one of the most powerful lessons of my life around procrastination and the results and the challenges that come with it. But I'm also thankful to them for introducing me into a wonderful thing called Cub Scouts, because without that, I think my sense of adventure would probably be certainly more diminished. And I'm also thankful for my mom, too, for that, for teaching me caring and what I've learned through this journey with my son, which, again, I'll talk about in future podcasts, too. Wherever you're at in the world, I hope you get an opportunity to do a Pinewood Derby or maybe even sponsor one or support one. It's a very neat event. Uh, that the Boy Scouts do each year. And it's an opportunity to see some pretty cool designs and some really big kids become kids again. Boogie Bear, this is for you, buddy. I love you very much. Hey, thanks for stopping by and rambling with the old Gator on the Rambling Gator podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also send me an email to the rambling gator at gmail.com and follow my deeper dive show discussions at the rambling And wherever you're listening to this great big old world, I hope you and yours remain happy and healthy. And please tell your friends to stop on by and pull up a chair for the rambling gator podcast. This is old gator saying so long for now.